2: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you spend most of your time worrying about being left,
0: rejected, or given up on? Are you worried that people in your life are always going to leave? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who've been abused. And I want to share with you how you can let go of your fears and finally have the relationships you want. Head on over to rachelgrantcoaching.com abandonment and download my free audio guidebook that's going to help you learn how to overcome your fear of abandonment. Now, on to our show. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. And most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and finally feel normal. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. So this month, I'm so excited to have here with me my guest, Dr. Simone Ravis, who will be sharing with us about how traumas, like sexual abuse, can affect your brain and three proven ways you can use your brain to eliminate the negative consequences of abuse and trauma. And I uh, met Dr. Ravis at a women's gathering kind of event, and she and I just immediately clicked because we both have this, you know, love of uh, understanding how the brain is impacted by trauma and therefore what we can do to heal with that, using that information. And I love it because she calls herself a brain coach, and that's so perfect. And she's also a certified business and life coach two-time international best-selling author and speaker. She really embraces her roles with a passion and enthusiasm that is palpable and comes across whether she's coaching, speaking publicly, hosting workshops, or even through the pages of her books. Dr. Ravis has a PhD in clinical psychology and an MBA, which have allowed her to maximize her knowledge of business and human behavior. She worked for years as a psychologist before moving to coaching because you know this allows her to really spread her inspiration and her impact to more people. She's particularly fascinated by neuroscience and its application to optimizing human behavior. As a coach, she uses proven brain-based techniques through business and life coaching for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Her clients and customers learn to make lasting transformations in their thoughts, feelings, and actions so they can achieve great business and personal success with ease. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Dr. Ravis to the show. Thanks so much for being here.
3: Thank you for having me, Rachel.
0: Absolutely. So I want to just get right into this because uh, you have such a wealth of knowledge. And my goodness, we could talk for three hours and still only touch, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> So, For our listeners, let's give them a little bit of just general context. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about the brain and how it can change and how we can heal. Um, But there's a very important concept that we need to understand first, which is neuroplasticity. Can you talk a little bit about that and exactly what that is?
3: Yes, absolutely. Until fairly recently, um, before this huge Expansion into brain research that's marked the last decade or so. It used to be believed for hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of years that the brain after childhood no longer really changed or developed. Mm -hmm. And that has been proven recently to be completely untrue. We now have all of these technological innovations, like things like the spec scans and MRIs and PET scans. And what they've allowed us to see is into the brain, into the specific structures and how the brain operates. And it's been seen that the brain, the sizes of different parts of the brain and the amount of gray matter and things of that nature do change. And they change as a result of experience, learning, and as well as our thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so Mm -hmm. that's what neuroplasticity is. Basically, it's saying that the brain is like plastic. Yeah. It's a a very good thing because while the brain, you know, the the new hot topic right now are the concussions and and the damage that can be done to the brain through concussions, But on the the good side, we can also have positive consequences from training and changing our brains.
0: Got it. Yeah. And what good news that really is, because uh, it really does mean that we're never kind of fixed and, you know, kind of stuck in a certain place that we can really heal the brain and it can continue to change and grow over time. So that is really encouraging. I know for myself, there was, you know, certainly times in my own healing journey where I thought, gosh, you know, there's just something that's so broken or Mm -hmm. so wrong with the way that I process information or the way that I react to things, that this is just the way it's going to be for me forever. And certainly in learning some very specific skills and tools to help, you know, retrain the brain, I've obviously um, come to see that that's not the case, that that's not true at all. And, you know, part of that is understanding the structures of the brain and how the various structures really come together and play together and interact together, um, that, you know, in response to trauma. So I know that you, um, have a bit to say about kind of the three-part brain and, and what that really has to do with trauma and how that helps us understand how to heal. Yes, I do,
3: actually. So another word for it is the triune brain, the three-part brain. And let's consider the three-part brain. First, there is the reptilian brain, which was the first part of our brain to ever develop in us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's located in the brain stem. And the reptilian brain is in the innermost part of the brain. And it's in charge of survival instincts and autonomic body processes like heart rate, breathing, blood pressure, and things of that nature. So it's a very basic part of our brain.
0: Right.
3: After that, what developed was what's called the mammalian brain, and that's in the limbic system or in the midbrain. And it's in the middle of the brain, and it handles emotions, memory, meaning, and it transmits sensory information. Mm -hmm. So right then, when you're thinking of trauma and you hear the words emotions, memory, meaning, you know that that area of the brain is going to have a lot to do with trauma. Finally, the neomammalian brain the newest part of the brain, is located in the cortex, and it's the most advanced part of the brain. It's like the CEO of the brain, Mm -hmm. and it's in charge of advanced functions like decision-making, planning, problem-solving, learning, and some memory, and also it's in charge of emotional regulation, which also is a big issue with trauma. So what happens during trauma is... The very basic reptilian brain takes control, and it jumps into survival mode, which triggers the fight, flight, or freeze mode. And during this time, the brain is in a reactive state, and then stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released in the body, and all non-essential brain functions and mind functions are shut down. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what that means a bit in, in a second. Um, as an aside, this is related to why people who are traumatized or even just severely stressed out have such a hard time being productive and doing their best because what happens is stress interferes with the cortex. And all those abilities to focus, concentrate, make decisions, solve problems, and so on are really nonfunctional. Mm -hmm. So um, this negative relationship between stress or trauma and the ability to function optimally is only one of the reasons that it's so important that we learn how to deal with stress and to eliminate our traumas. The next step that happens, the the brain can also be further disrupted by trauma because the hippocampus, which is in charge of our long-term memory, can actually shrink as a result of negative symptoms over time and that can cause a whole host of problems with memory. Mm -hmm. And finally, the amygdala which is responsible for the fight-or-flight or or freeze response may not get the message to resume back to normal activity and it can Mm -hmm. remain highly activated which contributes to anxiety and fear which are common symptoms of course of trauma. So Usually when the immediate threat's over, the sympathetic nervous system, which caused all of this arousal, steps aside, and the parasympathetic nervous system changes the body into a relaxed mode and reestablishes equilibrium. Then the memories about the event would typically be processed and put in our long-term memory. But if somebody experiences a traumatic experience, They don't discharge all of the pent-up energy to negotiate the threat. And if this happens, he or she will become a victim of trauma. And the residual energy stays in the body and leads to all kinds of symptoms that people experience from trauma, the somatic or the physical problems, anxiety, depression, behavioral problems. It's all the person's attempt to kind of corral that extra energy and also one of the main reasons that we have symptoms such as flashbacks and the intrusive memories and all of that is that the, the hardwired system for healing is, is disrupted. The memories are not processed correctly. They actually remain unprocessed because mm-hmm. it's so overwhelming. And they're stored in the brain as they were experienced together with what the person felt, saw, heard, thought, and physically felt. And this unprocessed memory is stored in an unintegrated way, and it can't change because it can't integrate with anything adaptive or functional.
0: Okay. Yep. That so that a was a sense. long
3: explanation for no, how it affects it's
0: our brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we need that. I, you know, I think that one, for me anyway, when I started understanding, okay, there's a direct connection between the parts of my brain that have been impacted mm-hmm. by what happened to me and my behaviors and my reactions. Right. It, it really helped me begin to see that correlation. And therefore, there's something that can be done. Like when we can access where the root of the problem is, um, we can heal it. It's just like if you have a broken bone, but you keep ignoring that the broken bone is there, and you're like, why isn't my arm working?
3: (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. And that's why neuroscience is so important, because it does allow us to get access to the etiology, to the causes of events. So we can really dig down in there and make major changes that affect our lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it's really so fascinating, and I think it it does create a sense of empowerment, right? When um, survivors of trauma begin to understand, there's nothing fundamentally like just so messed up and broken. This isn't like your personality; it's not who you are. Right. It's a part of you was hurt and injured as a result of the things that happened to you, and now we've just got to heal that. And there are very and just like you put your you know arm in a cast. Mm -hmm. In order to heal that broken bone, there are things that you can do to heal the mind. And, you know, one of the very first things you and I started getting super jazzed about was this, that, oh, my goodness, like we can really in many ways use the brain both as it's been hurt. But we can also use it to heal. Uh-huh. So let's exactly. talk a little bit about that. You know, some people, you know, are, might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Can I think my way, you know, free of this uh, trauma, free of this pain? Uh, what's your perspective on that?
3: Thoughts have a huge amount to that, um, a huge amount and play a lot into this issue of trauma. The thing about thoughts is, that when we have things like positive thoughts, they then feed into positive neural pathways in our brain. And we want to have a lot of those positive neural pathways in our brain because what they produce themselves are more positive thoughts, positive feelings, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and productive positive behavior. So we really want to focus on positive things so we can build our positive neural pathways in our brain. If somebody is living a life of doom and gloom on the other hand, they're adding to the number of negative neural pathways in their brain and so they're going to therefore experience more negative thoughts, feelings, and behavior.
0: So
3: The key is to catch those negative thoughts and turn them into rational, positive thoughts. Because m- the majority of our negative thoughts are completely irrational. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, we're using either yep. black and white thinking. So we're thinking, I'm a complete failure. Or I have to be perfect. Or we're right. forecasting into the future about we- what we know is going to happen and it's something negative. You know, all, all, there's all kinds of irrational thinking styles. So what we want to do um, is to be aware of the fact that thoughts cause our emotions and dictate our behavior. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: We want to change how we're feeling emotionally. We've got to change our thinking. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, just a thought that comes to mind here Because, you know, this is a huge part of the work that, you know We're doing with our clients is teaching them how to do that Giving exactly. them some strategies Giving them some, you know, kind of a toolkit Because I know from my own experience Boy, those negative thoughts, they just felt so overpowering They, they do And so they're, we,
3: they're called also automatic thoughts Because they right. happen so quickly okay. And um, a lot of them actually come from our subconscious as well which we don't have much control over until we learn how to control those thoughts. Mm
0: -hmm. So what would you say to somebody who says, well, you know what, this sounds all good and well, but it it seems like it's just kind of a silly trick. You Mm -hmm. know, me saying to myself, everything is okay, or I'm I'm strong, I'm, you know, confident, is just a word game, and it's, you know, it's it's just pretend, it's not real. Um, You know, what would you say to that? How would you address that concern? I would
3: say, boy, I hear that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then I would say, consider this. What we do is when you're feeling something negative, you take that as a red flag mm-hmm. and you ask yourself, what am I thinking negatively about myself? You're taking a step backwards because, as I said, your thoughts create your emotions, but the thoughts, as you mentioned, are so rapid and ingrained and automatic that we're usually or often not aware of them. So we use the emotion to increase our awareness that, oh, we've had a negative thought. And we look back, we ask ourselves what it was. So let's say I'm at work and I make a little mistake. And the first thoughts that rush to my mind are, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I never do anything right. Well, with that negative thinking, I'm almost immediately going to feel sad or angry at myself or some negative feeling, right? Yes, absolutely. The best thing I could do is to challenge that irrational thought that I'm stupid or that I never do anything right. So I search through my memory, and I remember several incidents of success, of positive situations, like, oh, I did that fantastic presentation earlier this week, or I finished a difficult project early uh, last week and so on. So you take those positive thoughts and you focus on them. And this is the difference between just saying, oh, think positively and your life will change. What we have to do is focus and repeat those positive thoughts and positive experiences with rehearsal and repetition you'll be changing your brain. You'll be growing positive neural pathways in your brain, which will produce more positive thoughts, feelings, and actions. Yes, yes. So over time, with repeating this pattern, you actually will catch your negative thinking earlier and earlier until you actually reduce the number of negative thoughts and thus negative feelings, period. Your negative thoughts will greatly decline,
0: yeah, and I really want to reiterate that for everybody who's listening is that it's not, a, okay, one day you're going to wake up and say, I feel strong, I feel good, I feel, you know, worthy, valuable, and then you're done. Right. It's like any other muscle that you have to exercise in your body. <laughs> you know, yes. one sit-up does not produce six-pack abs as much as I wish it would be the case. <laughs> you know, exactly. You've got to have that repetition. And
3: Definitely, so. The repetition, the rehearsal, and what you do is you try to think back and find any positive experiences that you've had mm-hmm. and really bring those forward and relish those. Mm-hmm. The more time you can stay in a positive state, the more neuro- positive neural pathways in your brain you're going to generate.
0: Awesome. So now I know that that you do a lot of work with EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And mm-hmm. you know, in my experience this particular treatment modality is <clears throat> excuse me, one of the kind of most misunderstood and maybe even misused. Um, treatments that are out there. So I really wanted to make sure that we spent some time, you know, talking about this particular modality as a treatment for trauma survivors. Why Why does it work? What are the traps that, you know, you can fall into with it? If you're thinking about using this particular modality as a part of your healing journey, what do you need to watch out for right. so that you don't fall into the hands of a practitioner who isn't skilled? Um, can you speak a little bit to that, Dr. Ravis?
3: Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that you would want to stay away from because you're going to be – well, let me pause on that for a second. One of the things you want to watch out for is if you're experiencing a lot of dissociation or depersonalization, and those are symptoms in which you feel that you're really outside of your body, you're not present in your body – or that what's going on about you isn't really real, Mm -hmm. if you feel things are just like you're watching a movie and you're not part of it, those are situations when you want to be, if you're going to be doing EMDR, you want to be definitely under the care of someone who has been certified in EMDR, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they know what to do. For example they will help you install a safe place or a safe state and so if you start to get worked up during the se- during the session the person will tell you okay let's go to your safe place or your safe state so your safe, safe place would be uh, elicited from you at the beginning of the session. The person would ask you, what's a place where you feel very comfortable and you feel completely at ease and where you feel safe? And okay. a person might say, oh, my bedroom, or they might say the ocean or a variety of things. Uh-huh. So with EMDR, that is installed, Okay. And installed means there are three different ways through which EMDR works. It can work through the eyes by bilaterally stimulating both the left and right hemispheres. Let's say a therapist is holding up their two fingers, and you're watching the fingers, and they're moving them back left and right, and you're watching those fingers move without moving your head, and your eyes are going back and forth, back and forth. So that is your brain is being bilaterally stimulated. Both hemispheres are being stimulated. It also can be done through auditory means. So you put on the headphones and you Mm -hmm. hear a noise that goes back and forth from your left to your right ear, back and forth, back and forth. Or it can be done with a touch instrument holding these little sensors under your thumbs and you feel a buzzing going back and forth between your left and right hands. Okay. Those three modalities all bilaterally stimulate the left and right hemisphere, and that's critical to the key to EMDR, which is the reprocessing of the memory. Now, do you remember before when I said the problem with traumatic memories are they're not processed?
0: That's right. Yeah, Yeah, and they can't be
3: integrated because they're not processed. So they're there as if they happened yesterday or today. So what happens in EMDR is the bilaterally stimulation of the hemispheres leads to the processing for the first time in in a correct way of the memories and everything associated with it, the picture that you see, the feelings, the physical sensations, all of that is processed. And at the end of it, you'll have the memory of the incident, but it's not emotionally, physically loaded anymore. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: What's Mm -hmm. happened in large part is the transfer to the left side of the brain, which is the rational verbal part of the brain, the person can then label feelings, And this is important in reducing negativity is when we can label feelings. It reduces negativity. And also the words show the person's now rational view. They can say things like, it's over, I'm safe now, I did the best I could, it wasn't my Mm -hmm. fault, Mm -hmm. things of that nature which they could not give voice to or believe in
0: before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Because I think the one thing that really came through to me as you were sharing that is that this particular modality is uh, it's a sensitive one, yes. and that it needs to be somebody who is trained, who can actually be watching and and like monitoring the person's you know processing through this. Because if right, not exactly. done correctly, if they get
3: too emotionally yeah. overwrought. Then the see- therapist or coach or whoever they're working with would say, okay, let's go to your safe place now.
0: Yeah, right. And they would stay there
3: until they felt they would go on or until, you know, they were going to end the the session. Another positive about EMDR is you can positively install information. So people who want to believe in positive thoughts about themselves, you can actually positively install those beliefs and thoughts.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I encourage folks who are listening to to check this out, but to take this information and to, to really make sure that you're advocating and that you're, you know, vetting the people who you're, you know, choosing to work with. And I would definitely steer you clear of, you know, any of the kind of online do-it-yourself EMDR. <laughs> right, right. I, Please don't do that. Please don't do that because you're just going to find yourself in a, an aroused state. Um, and maybe even in a triggered state, and nobody's going to be there to ground you and guide you through that, and it's just, you know, you're going to have a rough experience. But certainly... If you see
3: a, a dot bouncing back and forth, see clear.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, um, one last little piece that I wanted to touch base on um, today with you was mindfulness meditation. Right. Um, this is also something that I think is very important in your work and, and something that you teach and, um, you know, have a, a, something to say about.
2: Mm-hmm. and.
0: Very similarly, meditation, if we're not careful, because the brain wants to go where it's always gone before, we end up meditating on the same old shit, basically. <laughs> well put. <laughs> so, you're kind of mindful about what we're meditating on, exactly. Exactly. So, so what have you noticed about how this particular practice can, can really help the brain to eliminate trauma?
3: Well the meditation is really an amazing process and, and it's incredibly impactful on the brain. In fact people who meditate have larger frontal lobes and more gray matter than people who don't. Mm-hmm. And if you recall um when I initially was talking about the brain and mentioned the cortex The frontal lobes are in that area, and they're in charge of focus, concentration, problem-solving, decision-making, and also control over emotions. So people who meditate tend to be better in those areas than people who don't. Mm -hmm. And for people who are suffering from trauma, those are some areas in which they tend to have a lot of difficulties with problem-solving and focus and emotional regulation. So you're getting a benefit from meditation. And the mindfulness part is of additional help. So what mindfulness means is you're focused on the present. You're focused on the here and now. Mm -hmm. And you are focused on something. Oftentimes it's breathing. And as you're meditating... Inevitably, when what you were talking about, the same old shit, when the negative thoughts and feelings intrude, as they generally do, you don't try to shove them down. You don't keep on focusing on them, because what you focus on expands. Instead, what you do is you acknowledge them non-judgmentally, and then you simply let them go. You can imagine the thoughts and feelings as if they're balloons drifting away into the sky or as leaves flowing away down a stream. It's just really important because people often try to deny and shove down the negative feelings and thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, what, with, the, with the brain, is that what you resist persists.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: So when you're trying to shove all this stuff down, it's not going anywhere. Mm hmm. So the thing with mindfulness is you bring it out, you acknowledge it, you're non-judgmental, and you imagine and use visualization, which really helps visualize the negative thoughts and feelings as if they're balloons or leaves and they're drifting away.
0: Nice. And yeah. that
3: really helps greatly yeah. in, um, in dealing with symptoms from trauma. Well, I love
0: that. Yeah, you know, it's one of those kind of... Um, funny things that I've discovered in my journey of the more I try to ignore something and deny that it's there or push it away, um, the bigger and bigger it grows. But as soon as I kind of take it out and just put it on the table and go, okay, there it is. It all of a sudden shrinks and loses all of that energy, loses all of that power and can be processed, can be dealt with, can be, you know, moved along from.
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah. I love
3: that. Yeah, it's a a wonderful (laughs) practice. It really is. And it doesn't take that long to do. Um, Mm. You you don't need to do it for hours in a day unless you're a Tibetan Buddhist. Right. (laughs) But, um, you know, in fact, what it also does, meditation, is it makes people more joyful as well. And it makes their left Hemisphere is more active, and the left side of the brain is the positive side of the brain. Mm-hmm. So it makes people much more positive and also more joyful.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Really, really wonderful. And I I just want you all to know that, that you can continue to learn and grow from the things that we've been talking about today. First of all, by just getting in touch with Dr. Ravis at, um, I'm going to share your email and your website here. So um, email is S-R-P-S-Y-D-R at gmail.com, and you can find her over at successbraincoach.com. And one thing in particular I want you to go and uh, look for on her website um, is her, uh, well, there's her best-selling book, of course, Brain Boosters, Seven Ways to Help Your Brain Help Yourself, Um, and then you can also sign up for a complimentary strategy success Session with Dr. Ramo, Simone and uh, you can book a time that's convenient for you right on the home page of her website and uh, she also has a free assessment there personality and success so that's successbraincoach.com slash personality dash for dash success and um, Dr. Ravis anything else you want to add or um, just make note of before we wrap up today Well, I want to
3: tell you, give you a big thank you for the work that you're doing because it is so critical and so important. Um, When I work with my clients on these issues, I know how, how painful it can be, and yet, you know, you're dealing with this difficult subject, and I'm sure you are helping so many people. So I wanted to thank you for that, and also just thank you for having me on today.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. It is, um, you know, it's been a hell of a journey, to be sure. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so great that I do get to spend my days, um, you know, connecting with survivors and helping them through that place of, you know, feeling overwhelmed and hopeless, and this is never going to change to, oh, my goodness, like, I have my brain back. (laughs) (laughs) And my life back in my life absolutely and i have no doubt that you're having an amazing impact um as well with your clients and you know really helping them step in to being successful business owners and entrepreneurs which means they're going out and helping others and changing the world and having an impact as well so thank you for being here for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us it's been a real pleasure to have you on
3: so much Rachel i appreciate
2: it
0: And I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in today and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources that are available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have a lot more to share with you. And until next time, take good care of you.